Hello and welcome to the Crochet Circle podcast. This is episode 14 and it's called Unchained Melody. That will become obvious why later in the podcast. Well, come on in. How are you all doing? I'm good. I am recording today on Sunday the 26th of February. Um, so I try to give myself a few days to prepare and do the editing. It takes quite a long time to do a podcast and I don't particularly like rushing and I like to have a, a decent length of deadline. So I've now started recording on a Sunday. So I've got a good few clear days to be able to edit, get all the photography done and put out a podcast essentially that I'm happy with that I think is informative and fun. On that note, I have to apologise for the last podcast because I have real issues recognising um, when I'm cold, when I'm hungry and when I'm ill. And I just, my life just is, it's such a fast pace and I'm just always on the go and I don't recognise things. And when I recorded the last podcast, I was just at the beginnings of a cold, but I didn't, didn't know. So if you watched it, you might have seen a few times I was touching my nose and I had like sherbet up my nose. I was, it was the beginning, but it wasn't until the next day that I really worked out what was going on. So that was an exceptionally dippy podcast. I didn't see half the things I wanted to say. It was, it was ridiculous um, to the point that I almost felt like re-recording it to put it out. But I then had such a bad cold that I couldn't re-record the podcast and I had to re-record a part of it. Uh, but man, that took some, like, that, that took some energy to be able to do that. So apologies for episode 13. Hopefully episode 14 will be much livelier. Um, yeah, kind of feel back to my normal self, which is great. We've got quite a few new listeners um, through Podbean and iTunes and Stitcher and all the other various audio platforms that you can hear me on. And quite a few new followers and watchers on YouTube. So thank you very much. Welcome along. It's really lovely that the numbers are growing and that you want to come back time after time to come and hear me spraffing on about crochet. Um, so thank you. If you are um, a YouTube watcher, please hit the subscribe button and hit the like button. It really helps with the algorithms within YouTube. And you may also see that I have started seeing ticking yes to advertising. I thought long and hard about that before I did it. But actually, um, if it helps with the running of the cost of the podcasts, then that's no bad thing. So if you can thole it, then watch the advert all the way through. And if you can't, then don't worry, I'm, I won't be upset with you, but it will eventually help with the running costs of this podcast. So thank you for that. And if you've already subscribed and you're one of those lovely people that always hit the like button, thank you very much. And the same goes for those that listen on Podbean or leave nice positive reviews on iTunes. It really helps. It helps other people to find this podcast. And from a personal point of view, it really is a nice morale boost for doing this recording. And it's nice to know that there are people out there listening and appreciating what it is that I'm putting out. So, as I said, my name is Faye, and although the accent is Scottish, I'm actually coming to you from Cheshire in England. And you can find me on Instagram, that's where I'm most active on social media. And the Instagram handle is crochet underscore circle underscore podcast. 
and I'll put details into the show notes and into the video. And you can also find me and the rest of the group on Ravelry if you search for the Crochet Circle podcast group and we're all there. Really interactive, lovely bunch of people on Instagram and Ravelry, very um, engaging folk there, really helpful, just a lovely bunch of people. There are no trolls in the world of the Crochet Circle podcast, or if there are, they're, they, they're not they're not presenting themselves. <laughs> so um, again, I've got my show notes to the right, so we'll have to keep on referring back, but it worked really nicely last time and it meant that I didn't have to print off paper. I try to be as environmentally friendly as possible, so this, this works nicely for me, but it does mean every now and then you'll see me look right, and if you're listening, you might hear a little mouse shuffle. So, Today for you I've got you crochet or nay crochet, finished objects, whips, feeding habit, um, a little bit on the Tunisian cow which is about to launch and go for a lift off and also some stuff on festivals and a new um, small segment called Big Up um, which is looking at some of the other podcasts and blogs and bits and pieces that I've come across in the last month or ones that I would encourage you to go and have a look at so that's that's a big up. And I was going to have a quad the rav, but I need to spend a little bit more time on it. And I tried this morning and my computer wasn't working properly. And rather than putting out a half-baked attempt, I thought, no, I'll, I'll just hold off on the quad the rav that I wanted to do and I'll, I'll pop it into next month's. And I'm also thinking about how I present quad the rav as well in the most useful format. So by not doing it this month, it's given me a little bit more thinking time ready for next time. So... On to ye crochet or nay crochet. This could honestly just always be called ye crochet and ye crochet and a bit more ye crochet. And this is in part because I'm a really positive person and even if I find something that I don't like so much, I will generally try to find the good in it. Um, so yeah, I might just it might just have to be ye crochet instead and I'll drop the nay. Um, so one of the things that I came across this month, which is my year crochet, is the Chainless Foundation. Um, and the reason it's my year crochet is because it, 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 was, um, it was just lovely to come across a new technique that I didn't know about, or I thought I didn't know about. Um, and just that constant thing of knowing that I'm going to be learning more and learning something new and that there's always something more to learn. Um, so what I did is a, then a load of digging around um, foundationless crochet, sorry, chainless foundation crochet. And lots of people rave about it, really love it, they say it's much, much quicker for them, they much prefer the outcome for various reasons which I'll go through. And I thought, well, I wonder if it is quicker because chaining is quite quick and then doing something like a DC or an SC in American terminology is quite a speedy process anyway, but I truly wonder what the differences are between the two. So in time-honoured fashion, I did a little bit of an investigation on it and I will pop all of this information on the show notes, um, but I will just show you the differences between the two. So using a 
DK yarn. This is Erica Knight's yarn for John Lewis. It's lovely and merino. It's quite nice and plump, but it requires a four mil G6 hook. So doing that, what I did was chained up 30 stitches um, for a, a chain foundation and then did 30 double crochets inside just to see what the difference in the fabric is between that and a chainless foundation. Um, and again, I did 30 chainless foundations on a double crochet and two rows on that. And of course it ends up with three with the, the chain foundation row because you have to go into the chain. And so what I want to do is just quickly go through what the pros and cons were. So with the chained foundation, it took me just over three and a half minutes to do the 30 chains and the 30 double crochets into those 30 chains. Now you'll see that I've got a few more chains there, but I'll come back to that because it's one of the features of using um, chained foundations. With the um, chainless foundation row, it actually took me longer. So lots and lots of people are saying they find it to be much, much quicker. I definitely did not find that to be the case. And that actually took me just under six minutes to do that. So I think in total it was an extra two minutes, 20 seconds from chained up to a chainless foundation, but it does have other pros to it. So I didn't personally find that it was um, saving me any time. Other people that are maybe more used to the technique may find that it does or they might might find uh, a chain foundation really fiddly and it can twist easily. So there may be lots of reasons why they would move to this technique, but I certainly didn't find it any faster. The other thing that I did find is that the um, chainless foundation row actually comes up slightly shorter than the chained foundation row. Now not a lot, it was only half a centimetre over those 30 um, stitches, but if you're doing a large project like a blanket, that would make a difference. So that's maybe something to be aware of if you're starting a larger project or even something like a garment, um, I would just keep an eye on that factor because it would differ um, if you've, you've had the same issues that I had. It wouldn't just be one size fits all. And to give you some of the pros and cons, so this that I'm holding up is the chain foundation. And what I really found is that it's it has very little elasticity and there's a lot less give with this compared to the chainless foundation. It's very springy. It's actually, I feel like it's a nicer thing to hold overall, um, depending on what you're using it for. Certainly for something like a garment, a hat, if you're using the chainless foundation for that, you're most likely going to get a much nicer fit with it because it has that elasticity, it's less rigid and it just has a lot more give. I mean, there really is very little boing in the chained foundation. Um, one of the other things I did like though about the chain foundation is that if you do too many, because you're not sure what size project you want, you can just undo those chains. As long as you haven't done your initial starting loop too tightly, you can just undo the chains and by doing that then you can make it the exact size of piece that you wanted it to be. 
um, if you know, like again, I think that particularly suits if it's something like a blanket. So I'm just doing that now, and again, I'll show this in the in a photo in the show notes. You'll you'll get to see this, but it's quite quick to do. But I'd um I've done five extra chains to be able to show you this um technique. And you can you just fasten it off basically. But there we go, we're back down to the size that I wanted within the within the project. The other thing that I found was that the chainless sorry, the chained foundation, this is confusing. The chained foundation roll actually curls up more as well. It curls up quite a bit more than the chainless foundation roll. And that also from the chain foundation roll going up it tends to widen out as you're working your stitches so it doesn't feel as even it tapers out which again depending on what project you're doing you can block that out most likely and, and make it perfect but it depends on what project it is that you're working on as to whether that would suit you or not and with the chainless foundation I found that it was exactly the same width all the way along I didn't have that same tapering effect the other pros I found with the chainless foundation was that um, it's very easy to judge the exact size of your project and what I mean by that is that you're doing it as you're going along so if you have again to come back to a blanket because honestly I think that's what is probably most useful um, you can very quickly put it up against your bedspread and you know that you're well on the way with your project and that you can just stop when you need to stop. Whereas if you start with the chain, you have to do so many chains and then if you've got it wrong, then you kind of can be almost back to the drawing board unless you've overchained, in which case you can do what I just did, which is to pull some out. But also with the chained foundation, it does pull in so the length of your chain isn't necessarily the same as the length of your work generally i find that it's shorter once i've started putting my stitches into the foundation chain whereas with the chainless foundation what you make is what you get in your first row so that might be very beneficial for some people what else did i think the bottom edge of the chainless foundation is really nice it presents the stitches up nicely and i think it overall looks nicer than the chain foundation roll um so if aesthetics meant a lot i would probably move to it for that purpose as well um the cons that i found with the chainless foundation were for me it took longer and it's also not suitable for every single pattern so for instance if i was doing my version of Colosseum with the linen stitch, this wouldn't work because actually what I need to be able to do is skip a chain, every other chain within the foundation row and that wouldn't work. So it's not suitable for everything, but I can see where application of this would be really helpful. And it wasn't until I was working on this that I thought, oh, I have used this before. And I'd done, I think it was a treble version for my um, riverette top that I showed last time around that used a chainless foundation method to come up and around the arm. I just didn't recognise it as such. 
So hence why that's my yay. So what I'll do in the show notes, because there may be other people like like me who didn't know anything about um, Chainless Foundation. So I'll point you towards some resources and I'll put up all of my pros and cons so you can see where it is that you might want to apply it to your own work. But yeah, new technique learned and I'll, I'm a big fan of that. I, I love to learn. I love to be sucking up knowledge. I'm like a little sponge and it just, um, yeah, to learn makes me very, very happy. So let's move on then, now that I've done my um, my yay, which is hopefully quite an informative one. Let's move on to finished objects. What happens at the beginning of every podcast is I think, oh, I haven't got much to show, I haven't really done much this month. And then when I compile it all together to come out here to do the recording and I see it all and I think, yeah, you're quite busy. <laughs> you did quite a lot. There are quite a few finished objects there. So I have got some that I can show you and some that I can only show you on photos because they've already been gifted out to uh, my niece Darcy. So one of the things that I was working on was a pair of socks for myself. Um, just plain vanilla socks to the size that I like. And I was using a new yarn to me. It's called Volarodel and it's their classic four ply um, sock wool. This is some of the wool that I bought when I was in Munich. And it was really nice to work with. And what I think, I have some more of this and what I think I would like to do is try it with some crocheted socks as well. So if you're thinking about crocheting some socks, the, the two projects that I'm talking about now, my two sock FOs, I think both sets of yarn are perfectly usable for crocheted socks as well and would be lovely and warm and I think possibly stay up a little better because they've got that, if I say squishy, you know what I mean, that squishy wool content that makes them want to hug around your feet and hug around your ankles. Um, so these are for me, it's FO number one. And finished object number two clearly are not for me because they are the brightest socks. I made these for my niece Darcy and I've called them my hubba bubba socks because they look like hubba bubba bubble gum. Another tongue twister. Hubba bubba bubble gum <laughs> um, colours that I used to have when I was growing up. So it's a bright, bright turquoise and a bright, bright pink. And I used two different yarns for this. The first, I am fairly sure, is a Regia sock yarn and it's 75% wool, 25% nylon, um, four plant again. And I think it is in their colourway ocean. And I'll, I'll provide all the details in the show notes. The reason I think it's that is because this was a kind of one pound ball in John Lewis and I just picked it up. I was fairly sure I knew what it was and um, but I subsequently forgotten to write down what it was but I'm fairly sure it was a regular one otherwise I probably wouldn't have taken the risk even with a pound but I don't want stuff sat in my stash that um, I don't think I'll use or I'm not sure of the content. But this worked really nicely and what I did was paired it up with the quite a bright pink 
which is actually a West Yorkshire Spinner's signature four-ply. And again, I would use both of these yarns for um, crocheted socks as well. I'd actually use them for crocheted shawls also. They're very warm, especially the regia. The regia, I think, is a little more squishy <laughs> to, uh, to use my new phraseology. Um, the regia, I think, is a little more squishy than the West Yorkshire spinners. So this around your neck as a shawl, I think, would be really lovely. And they've got really quite bright, vivid colours in their range, as do West Yorkshire spinners. But the West Yorkshire spinner stuff, of course, is made in the UK. And again, that's 75% wool, 25% nylon. And I think on both um, balls of wool, they are 400 metres for the 100 grams. So I really enjoyed working with them. And um, Darcy Do, my niece, started off saying, can I just have very plain socks? And I said, well, yeah, you can, but I've got some really cool colours if you want to have something a bit brighter. I was like, I've got quite a vibrant turquoise. Oh, can I have them, please? So she'd gone from, oh, just plain naturals, fine for me, please, to please may I have bright turquoise. And then, of course, if you're, if you're going bright turquoise, you may as well go bright pink to match. Um, and they've got little stripes in them as well. So I'll be holding off and, and hopefully seeing her next week and able to pass them along to her then. But she, like me, she suffers from really cold feet. And Darcy Dew is nearly, she'll be 16 in July. Don't know how that happened. And um, she's very much craft worthy. Darcy is um, the person that came to learn how to crochet with me. Although she thought she was going to croquet classes. <laughs> <laughs> so when we got to Lynn's crochet class, she was a bit like, oh, where are the bats? <laughs> she just, she didn't know that it was crochet we were going to. But I love it. She wanted to go to a croquet class. <laughs> but no, I, we went and learned how to crochet instead. So she's, uh, she's very much worthy of my time, effort and good yarn. Sorry, quick slurp of tea. So that was another finished object. And then I did another project for Darcy, which is the one that I can't show you because I don't think she's taken it off since I gave it to her. Um, I used pencil roving, which I had bought from Queen of Pearls when I visited Glasgow in October last year. Now, pencil roving is essentially like one big length of fibre. It doesn't have... A real twist on it it doesn't have more than one ply um, and I think in crochet pencil roving really gives you beautiful stitch definition and I'll add some photos in again but I made her a hat which was a pattern from Jojo Twinkletoes on Ravelry and Instagram so the um, I had designed a snood called the Snugdown Snood and then on the back of that, Jojo designed a hat that would match the snood. And then on the back of that, I used her pattern and just changed the um, the hook size that I wanted to use. So I used a 5.5mm hook for this pencil roving, partly because I just wanted quite a dense hat for Darcy. She really suffers with cold and I wanted her to be lovely and toasty warm, which... Um, You'll see from the photos she most definitely was and is and like I say I don't I don't think she's taking it off and um, before I gave it to her I tried it on and I was like 
maybe I shall keep this for myself and try it on and I look like such a wally. I, I don't really suit hats like that. It's got a massive pom-pom on it. I just don't suit hats like that. And then I made Matthew put it on and he already had his gown on. He was ready for bed when I finished it off. He had his gown on and he just pulled this stupid grumpy face while he had this bobble hat on. And uh, frankly, he just looks like an axe murderer. So if I can do it, I'll put it in the show notes and I'll, I'll place the, the photos in here for YouTube as well. Um, I'll give you the lineup of the three of us with the hat on and you can tell me who you think suits it most. I think it's Darcy, you know, she's got a trendy little soul and I think she looks amazing in her new bobble hat. Uh, and then you've got Matthew, the axe murderer, and me who just looks like a wally in it. So uh, yeah, I'll add them in. You can judge for yourselves what you what you think is best. But I um, yeah, I really enjoyed that pattern that Jojo had written up. Um, and I really enjoyed working with Pencil Roving. I'm going to put this out as one of the yarn reviews on Instagram. So you may or may not know, but I do, when I've worked with a, a yarn and I feel like I've worked with it enough and I've washed it and worn it and I feel like I can give a really good review on it, I then add that into Instagram with a series of marks out of five. And I think that's on hashtag TCC yarn review. So there are only a couple up there now, but if you're interested in seeing what yarns I'm working on and what I think of them, that's quite a nice way of getting the detail in a quick snippet of information rather than having to read through a big detailed yarn review. And I also think I'm going to start adding that into Ravelry as a, as a separate thread as well. So not everybody's on Instagram and not everybody's on Ravelry, so I'm trying, really trying to cover off both angles. But I will be adding the pencil moving into that. And then what else do we have? You may remember this. Oh, <laughs> I've put a safety pin in it. That's because I was, I safety pinned it because I was trying to determine what the best length of a cowl was for the second one that I made. Um, something else that I've been running is stash bingo. And the idea behind stash bingo is that you go to your stash, you pull out some of your oldest stash. It doesn't have to be your oldest. But some of the things that keep on getting put to the back because the new and shiny comes to the front. And with Stash Bingo, what you do is you pull out a certain number of projects. I've gone for six and I have given them each a number. And then I press a random number generator between one and six and it gives me a number. The first one it came up with was number one, which meant that I had to work up a project with my little collection of um, Jimison and Smith. Shetland yarn. I'd had this in my stash for a while. I thought I was going to use it for another project. That didn't come to the fore. And so instead I had to work up something else to make with it. And the beauty of stash bingo is you can either go into it knowing exactly which projects it is that you want to do with that yarn, or you can just leave it there simmering away in your mind thinking, oh, I'm going to do this with it. Or like I've done here, come up with your own design for it. So I have finally finished my yet to be named cowl and I really love it and I've done it again <laughs> you know like I said never busy enough so I've done it once without ribbing and then I wanted to see how it worked 
with a ribbing effect as well. And what that actually meant was it was going to take me a little longer because I had to work out a way of doing ribbing almost as your foundation chain and working that out and then how I could mirror that at the top of the cowl as well as a finishing rib and I've done it. It took me quite a long time to work it out. Uh, I don't particularly like going to other people's designs and working out how they've done things. I like to work through the problem myself and test and see how my brain would come up with a solution to it. And so that's what I've done with this ribbing. And then I applied it to a kind of wrist warmer half mitten so it doesn't have a thumb hole. But what it does is sits really quite nicely on your wrist. I often don't want things that come too far up on my hand. And because this doesn't have a thumb hole, it does just sit there and keeps my wrist warm and keeps half of my palms warm. But it definitely leaves my hands out and free for doing other bits and pieces. So I've been, I've been walking about the house for the last week or so wearing this already, just like one, one wrist warmer and uh, keeping one hand warm. <laughs> because I haven't yet made the second one. And then the other thing that I did was made a hat with it as well. So within this set, I've been trying to work out how you can use just the 25 gram balls of um, Jimison and Smith yarn. Because I like to be quite yarn savvy with the projects that I design. And I'm almost there. So the, the kind of, I'm calling it my foxy one, but the one that's um, cream and orange and quite a burnt red colour um, uses no more than 75 grams of yarn which puts it really I think in the project category of using up scraps um, I think the red because there's only one stripe of the red I think that doesn't use more than nine grams of yarn so if you've got little bits of four ply yarn sat about then it's perfect for for that sort of thing now although the Jamesons and Smith is a jumper weight which is a two ply it's actually quite a plump two ply so what I want to be able to do is test out this pattern again but using four ply sock yarn because if you crochet your knit socks then the chances are you've got little scraps of yarn left and I can just see this design working with semi-solids and tonals and maybe some um, sprinkled yarn I, I just think it, it could look lovely in, in simpler, lighter shades as well. And let's be frank, not everybody wants to wear woolly wool, which Jimison's and Smith says it softens up a lot with blocking, but for many people they wouldn't want this around their neck. Not an issue for me, but I do want to try it with some um, sock wool as well because I just think that opens more avenues for people. So there... They're my earphones. I'm really pleased with this pattern and this design and I'm going to write them up properly. So I think what, the, what they're going to evolve into is a larger cowl design, a smaller cowl design, a hat design, wrist warmer design and a mitten design. And what I don't know yet is whether I do them all as a bundle or 
buy two get one free or put the mittens and the wrist warmers together because equally I think the hat structure also lends itself to a headband so I need to think a little bit more about that one before it comes out and I've also had some people very kindly, thank you Lisa, say that they would um, pattern test it for me so that's really helpful as well. Um, that, as many of you are aware I'm designing more and more things and predominantly in crochet and I want to be able to share that with podcast listeners. So last time round I showed you my Doppio Coliseum shawl which is now finished. It's actually an eye open Ravelry as well. But I wanted to be able to kind of, it sounds cheesy, but share the love with podcast listeners. And so I'm going to test something this month round. And as of the 3rd of March, and it will run for two weeks, which I think takes us up to the 16th of March, there will be a 50% discount code on Doppio Coliseum. So this is, the pattern is £3. And if you type in code, capitals, Doppio, D-O-P-P-I-O, five zero and then the symbol percent so doppio 50 percent then you will receive this pattern with a 50 percent discount taking it down to one pound fifty and i'm going to see how that goes i'm going to limit it just for the two weeks because i just i want to see whether that works and if it works and i get Good feedback from you guys that that's something that you like about the podcast that you can as a listener you get a discount on patterns then that's something that I will keep on doing I'm probably on a, a kind of two-week timeline so the podcast will go out if I've got a new design that's ready and up on Ravelry and I've pressed the button on that then I would put up a discount code and for two weeks listeners that want to buy that pattern can do so at a 50% discount. Let me know what you think. Um, I'd be intrigued to know um, whether that's something that you're interested in or not. So I guess we can gauge that if people are interested in Doppio Coliseum and want it with a 50% off. So we'll see. I will report back in the next podcast. That's it for finished objects. Um, the one that you might be able to see and that I'll add a photo in which is lurking behind me sat on Claude, my mannequin is a pullover and I'm not going to talk too much about it I just wanted to put it there because I really wanted to have it finished for the podcast I said that in a slightly petulant way because I am slightly petulant about it um, I really thought I'd get this finished last night for the podcast and it, it just didn't happen. Um, so it's not finished. I'll be wearing it next month or it will properly be on Claude taking pride of place rather than with one sleeve and one no sleeve. Again, I'll add a photo into the show notes so you can see. Um, but yeah, knitted jumper that is not ready. But I wanted, so desperately wanted to be a finished object, but it's not. And on that, the other thing that I wanted to mention is that um, I think what I'm going to do in the future is only talk about my knitted items when I've got to them to a point of them being a finished object. It is predominantly a crochet, 
podcast and I don't want knitting to take over from the crochet but I do knit as well it's a huge part of what I do and it's a huge part of my design and where my ideas come from so I don't feel like I cannot talk about it because I love it I really enjoy knitting as well as crocheting so I still want to represent that and what it is that I do but I think what I'll do is only talk about it when it's a finished object and talk about my crocheted works in, project, uh, works in progress instead um, and leave the knitting until the final point. Moving on to works in progress I only actually have one to show you. Shoreline blankets still there, it's still a whip but there's no point in talking about that because it's seen no love. And as you know my first stash bingo project has been done. I've got a bit more to do on the um, Jameson and Smith yarn to use it up but I feel like I've achieved more or less what I wanted to achieve with that in terms of a design process. So I hit the random number generator and it gave me project bag number four <laughs> which was not the project that I wanted to be doing. I was so tempted to press that button and pretend that it hadn't given me number four so I had a long hard talk with myself and said well that's not really stash bingo etiquette you can't just keep on pressing the random number generator until it gives you the number that you actually want so I got over myself and I pulled out the project bundle which is project number four and that is some very coarse and I mean coarse in Scotland we say it's coarse it's off a coarse wool. Um, it's very coarse wool. Like you, you wouldn't want to use this for a garment. And I had eyed it up when I bought it. I bought it so that it would become a rug because that's frankly about all you would use it for. You wouldn't want it on your bed. You could make placemats and stuff with it, but that's, that's not what I would do with it. So I've been thinking about making this into a rug. I've had this for almost two years now. I am fairly sure that this is the oldest wool in my stash. It most certainly is the oldest wool bought at a festival in my stash because I bought this at my first ever yarn festival, which I say was um, nearly two years ago, which seems ridiculous. I've only been buying wool for two years and I have got that much wool. Um, so this was project bag number four. And what I did when I did the dyeing workshop back in September, I dyed some of it up. But I was, unbeknownst to me, not knowing what I was going to do with the wool, had a reasonable idea that I wanted to make a big rug or mat out of it. But I had caked up all of the yarn. So when I wanted to dye it, all I was doing was using up the unexhausted dye in Jill's dye pot. And she had this beautiful turquoise colour that she was dyeing up sock yarn in. And so I just plonked it in, in the cake. And what that means is that the dye takes much longer to penetrate into the center of the cake than it does on the outside of the cake, which means that you get much lighter dye take up on the inside than you do on the outside, which means that you've got this lovely increase in tone and shade as you um, go to the outside of the cake. So 
I thought the best thing that I can do for the rug is to use that to my benefit and I still have quite a lot of the undyed wool which is perfect now in hindsight. I didn't dye it all because I've got quite a lot of it and actually it's absolutely perfect for the project that I'm working on for project number four. So let me just take the hook out so I'm not going to do that, bang it about. Let's pull you through. Sorry, I've just said I'd try and do that so I'm not banging it about and uh, banged it about instead. So this is quite dense. <sighs> Could I bang any more? Do you want me to bang some more? <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Um, so what it does is it's going up in ingredients. So it starts with the cream and moves up into this very delicate beginnings of a turquoise coming through. And I'm essentially holding the yarn double-stranded. So I'm holding one strand of the dyed yarn and one strand of the cream, which is really helping with the tonal shift coming up through the rug. I'm really pleased with it. So with the, with the balls of yarn that I've dyed up, they go from very light to very dark because I plonked them into the dye pot at different times as well. So all in all, what I'm hoping I'm going to end up with is a rug that is about, I would say, 90 centimetres by maybe a metre and a half, a metre and 60. And because I'm holding them double, one coloured and one um, undyed, it's going to give me this lovely increase in colour. But still, because of the undyed, it's still going to hark back to the bottom of the rug, which has got no dyed yarn in it. So I'm hoping that the overall effect will be, one, the increase in colour, but two, that the whole thing will work together as one piece because you've still got those little areas and flecks where you've got no colour on it and you've just got the raw wool. So having gone from a project that I was thinking, I don't want to do this project, I wish Random Number Generator had not given me number four. I'm now really liking it. And I started this off. I did half of the foundation, chainless foundation rule, yesterday morning before we headed out for the day. And then the rest of it I did last night. So I think I'm going to be able to bomb through this, no problem. I certainly will have it as a finished object for the finished object for the next podcast and I will have hopefully hit the random number generator and I will be working on a different work in, project, work in progress. I can't speak today, sorry. Saws. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think this is going to take me very long and it will be done and dusted and it's going to make for some amazing stats for my February usage of yarn because this is heavy. <laughs> By the time I've finished this, this is going to be a really heavy piece. And I actually think I'm going to take it to Wonder Woman Wales when I'm vending there. Um, because it will be quite nice to have something to stand on other than the hard concrete surface of the cattle market. So yeah, if you're coming to Wonder Woman, you might see my rug. And if anyone's interested in it, it's a really simple um, stitch that I've used. It's a stitch that I love. And if you want to know more about the yarn that I've used and the pattern, 
just ping me a message on YouTube or Ravelry or Instagram and I will happily pass it to you because you might also have random wool sat in your stash that you just don't know what to do with and it's just too rough to um, put it anywhere near you as a garment. It's just too thick and just too, just too woolly wool. And that is it for my works in, in progress because I'm trying to be a little more monogamous. Um, I started trying, doing, trying to do that a couple of weeks ago and thought, right, I'm only going to have one crochet project on the go and I'm only going to have one knitting project on the go. And then as I was going through the, the jumper, the stream jumper that I'm knitting on, I thought, no, I, can't, I just can't do it. I have to have a break. I have to have more input than that creatively. So what I think it might be is that I have one on the go that is somebody else's pattern for crochet, one on the go that is my pattern for crochet that I'm designing, and the same for um, for knitting. So use somebody else's pattern and be designing something up at the same time. So that way I've got a go-to project that I can just go through the pattern and do quite easily. And I've got one where I have to put quite a lot more brain space into how the stitch is going to work, how it's going to size up, what yarn I want to use, so that all the receptors in my, my brain are working. Um, yeah. So I can't, the crux of that is I can't be monogamous. I haven't got it in me. Let's move on to feeding the habit. As you know, I'm trying not to buy personal yarn in 2017. It's okay to buy it for designs, but I have a massive stash and I want to appreciate what it is that I already have. And I don't want to be in a position where I just keep on buying and buying and buying and buying and buying, because I would quite happily. So although I'm not buying yarn, <laughs> I'm finding other things that are craft related that I'll buy instead, such as this book, which is um, Top Down Crochet Sweaters, and it's by Dora Ordenstein, who's very well regarded in the world of crochet design, and I think in particular for garments. When we ran some um, chatter threads on contemporary crochet. Dora's name was one of the ones that came up as a, a suggested person to look at. And quite a few people within the Ravelry group are already using this book and had suggested that it's a really good reference point um, in terms of crochet garment construction and getting something to fit properly to get it to be the right size and um, depending on what shape body you have rather than what size garments you go and buy in the shops and they were absolutely right i've only had a quick flick through this but um it's a really good resource to be able to to go at and the patterns inside are nice i wouldn't personally wear all of them but there are enough in there that i would want to make but i think really the main point is that it, it gives you almost like a, a bible for getting the right fitting sweaters and cardigans onto your body and crocheting them and ultimately being happy with what you've made at the end of it. I'm reasonably new to garment making, crochet and knitting and there's that really, it is almost like a horrible moment when you've finished it off and you then have to try it on and you think 
I've spent money on the yarn, I've spent a lot of time and effort making this thing, is it actually going to live up to my expectations? And I've had occasions now where they haven't, and I'm, it's so gutting when you get to that point because you've spent money and a lot of time on it and it's just not exactly as you want it to be. So I'm hoping that a book like this will really help me to understand how I can get stuff to fit my body nicely. I don't have a standard shaped frame. I don't I kind of work between sizes of um, what I can buy in shops and um, so to be able to make something for myself and know that I'm making it with more confidence that's that's where I'm aiming for because I want to make loads more garments I'm really caught by that again crochet and knitting um, so yeah more, more garments in my future and the other thing I got was the pom pom quarterly which quite a few people crocheters are um, buying this time round because it has a crocheted cardigan in it and it is lovely I'd say it's not my style it's not something that I would wear but I think it's just so nice to see a crocheted garment in pom-pom quarterly and it's been receiving rather a lot of love from people show it it's called Hanabira and it's essentially a lovely of light to mid grey colour with um, some nice floral accents in the stitches and mustard and a bit of light pink so really nice tonal colours um, very spring very reminiscent of spring colours coming through and I suspect that we will be seeing quite a few Hanabira cardigans um, over the coming months being made and talked about in Ravelry it's really sweet, really nice little design features. Um, and again, I'll put, I'll put a link to this in the show notes for those of you that are audio listeners so you can see what it is that I'm talking about. So they are my two acquisitions for this month. It feels a little bit odd because normally I would have loads of yarn and I'm seeing stuff coming through and people are talking about the different... Um, yarn festivals that they've been to and I just I'm happy don't get me wrong but I, there is a serious amount of FOMO going on FOMO is fear of missing out and I I do genuinely feel like I am missing out on some of the stuff that other people are able to go and get um, and do you know what suck it up <laughs> that's what I need to do because I've got more than enough beautiful yarn sat in my stash palace and um, I'm going to see this through to the end of 2017. Now, don't get me wrong, when I go to Edinburgh Yarn Festival, I'm going to be squishing everything, and I'm going to be writing down lists of all the things that I want come the 1st of January 2018, but it will be a much paired back list from the things that I would have just automatically already bought this year. I'm going to do it. I am going to keep this yarn challenge up, um, and only buy on that I need for designs. That's that's where I'm at. So yeah, you're you're gonna get very little wool acquisition from me over the coming months. But instead, I'll be talking about all the amazing ones that I am using that came out from my stash. Talking of which, shall we move on to the Tunisian cal? <laughs> so after the success of the Christmas crochet, I am 
if you're listening to this on the third, it's open. The Trinity in Cal is open and you can start hooking away. Um, I talked about it at length in the last podcast, so I don't propose that I'm going to go through it again. But what I did want to do is show you what my yarn choices are for the Tunisian Cal projects that I'm going to do. So the first is from, what a surprise, the Bull Kitchen. And it is 50% um, merino, 50% silk, and the colourway is denim. So it's got real steely colours to it, going into a real navy denim blue. Gorgeous, the way that the the colours mould from one to the other. So it really is a grey blue. It's a soft set of colours, but it really has a steeliness about it. Ignore what I've done. I've got a little sample piece that I've been working on for something else. Um, which will be ripped out shortly and then I shall be starting my Tunisian crochet along and this will be the first project that I'm doing and it will be the Cobbled Streets Cowl by Sol which is the pattern that's available for free and it's one of the categories for the cowl. So then in preparing for the podcast I thought I'll just go and have a little look at my stash and I'll think about what it is that I could make with the other category which is the Ocaso shawl which is another of Sol's um, patterns which I've bought and is ready to go and oh I, I could have had I don't know how many variations of this shawl going um, with different colours I think by the time I closed the door on the stash palace it's still all up there it's in a total like clay hole up there it's just yarn everywhere. But I think I had eight different colourways that I could have worked from. And then where I think I'm going to is to use up one of my Life in the Long Grass... <laughs> I can't talk today. Fairly sure their company isn't Life in the Long Glass because that would be spiky. So using up one of my skeins from Life in the Long Grass, um, which was one that initially that I wasn't that taken with because it's got very bright greens in it. Uh, it's called Chlorophyll and it was from the club that I did last, uh, last year with them. And I've got two skeins of this and it, it really is very bright in places, almost luminous. And I was looking at whether I could use a purple with it. But actually what I think I want is something that will just tame back the green a little. And the undyed parts of the yarn are a very off-white colour. And they're very, very similar, I think, to another yarn that I already have and have already used. And have some sat, one in a skein and one already partially balled up. It was actually the leftover yarn I had from my missed Kingfisher shawl. So I've already worked with the yarn, I know that it's nice, I know that it will pair up nicely with a sock yarn, which is what the Life in the Long Grass stuff is, and I know that you get pretty good stitch definition with it. Um, so it's the, the lighter one in my missed Kingfisher shawl. So I'm thinking that's the pairing that I will do. But you know what, I'm getting it out 
I'm not sure if the cream is just too creamy. I think I need to look at it in natural daylight. It's a little bit here today. I'm looking outside and it's quite grey and I've had to put the main lights on as well as the studio light, um, which gives you a very different set of colours from reality. So I'm, I'm going to check these again. But for now, that's my colour choice. So it's a skin of life and long grass, which has got turquoise, deep green in it and vibrant, vibrant green going into mustards and yellows and this cream effect. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to think about that one again because now I've paired them up, I'm not so sure. And I don't want to put loads and loads of effort and energy into doing this Tunisian calm and not having something I want to wear at the end of it. So, yeah, watch the space with this one. I'm, I might have to rethink that one. I could go to one of the other eight colour combinations that I have cranked out in my stash palace in the house. Yeah, watch this space on that one. So that's the two projects that I'm going to do. And then if I've got time within the Tunisian cult, I will do something under the third open category as well. Um, but I, I don't know how much time I'm going to have for that. But one of the things I wanted to do was point you towards a couple of other resources for the Tunisian cal that you may or may not be aware of. The first is that there's a lot of buzz about this yesterday, and quite rightly so. Um, Kat Golden and Joanne Scrooge from the Crochet Project have got another show project book coming on. It's book number three. And I think it's due for shipping on the 13th of March. And one of the shawls within that is a Tunisian shawl. So if you weren't sure about a project and you've also got that book coming, then you might want to have a look at that. I think it's the one with the um, scallops. If you look at the stuff in the book, and I'll try and add something into the show notes, you'll see which one it is. It's done in quite a vibrant um, set of turquoise colours. Uh, I'm fairly sure that's the one that is Tunisia. And the other one is, if you bought um, Inside Crochet, issue 87, on the front cover there's a shawl, and that's by Zoe Husted, and that's actually Tunisian Crochet as well. Um, so whether you get that hard copy or if you're outside of the UK, that is available digitally as well. Um, and again, that's got a really nice gradient yarn that she's used for that. So there's another option. If you've already got inside crochet, then that might be something that you want to have a look at if you're going to enter in under category three. So like I say, by the time you hear this podcast, the crochet along will be open. Later on today or tomorrow, I'm going to put out the information on Instagram. So, and then I'll start adding photos. So I'll put in a photo of my um, ball of yarn ready to go with my Tunisian crochet hook. Um, and yeah, there, it will be open until April the 16th. So go forth. There's a really good amount of support in that group. Sol is giving a lot of support to people. She's in there. She's, um, she's coming in and blitzing it all at once and then letting the questions and stuff build up again and then blitzing them because she's under quite a few time constraints in the moment. Um, so, yeah, come and join us. I'm a complete newbie to Tunisian crochet. Um, so if you've not done it before, this is a really good 
informative, welcoming space with which you can come and learn how to do Tunisian crochet, either under the confines of two already sought out patterns or doing another pattern that you want to do for yourself. Come on in, it's good fun and great follow on Instagram and also within the Ravelry thread. Even if you just want to see what we're up to on, on Instagram, if you search for hashtag TCC Tunisian Cal C-A-L, then you'll see what everyone's up to. It will be fun. Well, we are well and truly into Fibre Festival time. You know, we've come through the, the winter times and it's now, and I think globally, not just within the UK, Fibre Festival after Fibre Festival after Fibre Festival. And I'm going to go to as many of them as I can. I didn't go to Unravel and one of the reasons I didn't was because I went to a trade show instead. I'll talk about that in a, in a minute. I had serious fear of missing out over Unravel. I saw everybody's photos, loads of people were meeting up, Crochet Circle listeners were meeting up and I was fine with that to begin with. And then as they were all on Instagram and sharing all their stuff, oh, that, I had a little petty bottom lip. I was like, oh, I want to be there. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going next year. I'm not. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> I. It's really. It's one of the first ones of the season, and I'm not being in a position where I feel like I'm losing out on all the fun. <laughs> so Jenny and I are going to unravel. Jenny doesn't know this yet, but we're going to unravel next year. For sure. So, if you want to know a little bit more about unravel, there are two places that I would point you to. Um, the first is within our thread within the Ravelry group, there's um, there's one there on festivals and people from all over the world are starting to use it as a place to let us know about other fibre festivals. So we've got fibre festival information on um, ones in Australia, in America, the UK ones and Helen has just added on some notes on, on Ravel. So if you want to know what it's like, um, either because you're thinking about going next year or because you're just genuinely interested in fibre festivals across the world, then I would go and have a look at that. But Helen has also started a blog. I'm going to give you more information on that in a minute, um, but that would be another place that you can go to. I'll put the blog details in the show notes for you, where she's got nice photos and stuff and really showing the, the festival off. So that's Unravel. And then the next one that I'm going to is um, Edinburgh Yarn Festival. I hummed and hard about this one, um, partly because it's quite a way away from me, but in the end I realised that I can do it in one day. It's going to be quite a day, but let's do it. I'm going to get the train at, I think it's 10 to 7. And I should be knocking on the doors of Edinburgh Yarn Festival at about 11 in the morning. Um, which gives me a couple of hours to go and quickly go and look at all of the stuff that I want to see and the stuff that I want to record. So some of you may be aware, um, I've been doing a few kind of practice vlogs on, and putting them up onto YouTube. And that's really informed the next bits of kit that I needed to buy. So I have procured a selfie stick, also known as a wally stick, because you feel like a proper wally walking about with a selfie stick, but actually it means that you get a much smoother look around something, 
um, it's an easier way of me moving from front camera to back camera. So yeah, if you're coming to Edinburgh Art Festival, you're going to see me roaming about with my phone or my wally stick. Yay! Um, but hopefully out of that, what I'll be able to do is give you a really good rundown of Edinburgh Art Festival and what it is I'm going to look at. So I've pulled together just a very quick list of where I'm making an absolute beeline to at Edinburgh. And it's going to be John Arbin, of course. They've got their new um, four-ply Devonian coming out, launching at Edinburgh Art Festival, and I've seen the colours. I cannot wait to get my hands on that. I've got about three different designs in my head that I'm going to use that um, roll for, and it's all British as well, I think. Um, so it ticks so many boxes for me. Um, the Royal Kitchen, I'm off to see Helen, of course. This is Helen's stuff. She is the Royal Kitchen lady. Um, there's also a designer, jewellery designer, called Anketen Biag, Irish, and I'm sure I've said that wrongly. Um, she does really nice shawl pins, and it is my 40th this year, and one of the um, presents I've said I would like for my family to club together is a silver shawl pin, and so I'm going to check out her stuff, um, see if it works well for what I need for the shawl. And then I know for sure that that's one of my 40th birthday presents. Um, of course, the Crochet Project, Kat and Joanne are going to be there and they will have copies of their new book there that I talked about earlier. And I also want to go and see the Icelandic Knitter. If you know me, you know that I like rough-assed wools. <laughs> I don't just stick with merino, lovely, soft, sumptuous. I really like working with wools across the board. I mean, even to the point, I've usually got reasonably long nails, but from doing the rug yesterday with that really rough wool, it's just, it's snagged all of my nails, all of my skin. I've had to take my thumbnails right down. Um, but I don't mind, because I just really enjoy working with different grades of wool. And um, that brings me to the Icelandic knitter, because Icelandic wool generally is not for the faint-hearted. So I want to talk to somebody else who is an Icelandic knitter and see what they do, whether they treat it in any different manner or just see what they've got going with the, the wool that is available from their country. I think it's, it's quite interesting. That said, if any of you want to look at the exhibitor list of Edinburgh Yarn Festival, whilst I am out and about removing with my Wally stick, um, I am quite happy to go and squish and look at other yarns or products that are available at the festival. So if that's the case, just ping me a message on Instagram or Ravelry or on YouTube and I will go and look at it at Edinburgh Yarn Festival. So if there's a vendor there that you have got no chance in seeing but you want to see how the colours come out or how squishy it is, I will go and do that. I will be your squisher. Um, like I say, just ping me a message and I'll see what I can do. I'm going to pull together a full vlog. It'll be a much meatier vlog of Edinburgh Art Festival and I'll pull that together um, and get it up on YouTube as soon as I can. But I really want to review that festival in quite a large way because it's one of the ones that people get very hyped about within the UK. So I want to try and do it justice and show you all what it is that people are getting hyped about. The other cool thing about 
um, Edinburgh and festivals, they have a podcast meetup lounge. And I I think there's like well over 30 podcasters that are going to be there and a real mix of audio podcasters and um, video podcasters from YouTube. Um, you've got people like um, Kristen from Yarngasms coming over from America, Eric from Sticks and Twines coming over from Canada, um, Katie from Inside Number 23 is going to be there. There all sorts of people are going to be at this event. And um, so one, I'm definitely going to be there because I want to see some of my favourite podcasters. Um, but also, I'm trying to gather together some of the crochet podcasters so we can fly the flag for crochet. And so far, um, the people that I know that are definitely going up, and I'm so chuffed about this because I, I get to meet them, some of them for the first time. We've got Catherine from Crafternoon Treats. I know, I know Catherine, um, so it'd be lovely to actually spend some proper time with her. I saw her at Yarndale, it was very brief, and it was when I was trying to still do all of the stand set up, so I really didn't get to speak to her properly. Um, Clarissa Beth from Crochet Cakes is coming all the way over from Puerto Rico to come to Edinburgh Yarn Festival. She's coming for an extended stay, but she's going to be there. I can't wait to meet Clarissa Beth because um, she's really fun and vibrant and yeah, she just seems like a really positive person. It would be lovely to meet her face to face. Um, and then you've also got, who I think are going to be there at the same time on the Saturday, Sandra from Cherry Heart and Sam from Betsy Makes. So if you're going to Edinburgh Iron Festival and you're a bit of a crochet fan, then there should be five of us, five crochet podcasters, that are all going to be at the crochet at the at the crochet podcast lounge. I wish, at the podcast lounge between one and two on the Saturday. So come and say hello. Um, if you see me walking or about Edinburgh Yarn Festival, even if I'm recording with my Wally stick, come and say hello. You might get in on the Wally stick action, <laughs> like you'd want that. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to be there, but yeah, just come and tap me on the shoulder and come and say hello and tell me what you thought about the festival. I love hearing all of the positivity that other people get from festivals and yarn and just the, the community and, and yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit about that um, from you if you're, if you're going to be there. So the other festival that I wanted to talk about is Wonderwall Wales. That's coming up on the 22nd and 23rd of April and the reason I'm mentioning that one is because I'm actually vending at it. It's at Booth Wells which is in Mid Wales, it's at the county showground. I really love this festival so if you're humming and hawing about it and you're not sure whether it's worth getting over to Booth Wells for, I really think it is because it's a it's a festival that's held in a cattle market. They are always my favourite ones because they smell of sheep and they have livestock and that they show off. So it's a very it's a very nice connection back to the yarn. And I love that. But unlike other fibre festivals which are in cattle markets, this one has got really wide aisles. So you don't have that same feeling of being crushed and condensed into a space. And also the stalls are really nice and wide as well. And although it's in a cattle market, the floor is a lot more even. And they put proper sides up in the stands. I really like it from a vending point of view. 
although I've never vended there before, I can see how it's a really nice place to be at and be able to display your wares in. So if you've not been before because you're maybe slightly concerned about crowds and being corralled down different aisles, which you may have heard about in other fibre festivals, I would say give Wonder Wheels a go because actually it's quite easy to walk around Wonderwall and also it's easy to get away from the crowds and there's loads of outside space and their catering at Wonderwall is phenomenal. It's absolutely incredible. You can get souvlaki, you can get vegetarian food, there's falafel, there's curry, there's amazing cakes, there are pig roasts and lamb roasts and there's all sorts. It's just a really lovely day out and you can come and see me. Now if it was a proper vendor I would have already looked up the map and told you where you can come and see me. But I'm not a proper vendor, I'm just playing at it. Um, I'm in Hall 1 and I'm a couple along from John Arbin, Dangerous, and Truly Hooked as well. And you imply as well, so I'm in a really nice um, grouping with people. Um, I'll put the information into the show notes and I'll, I'll add it down below. Uh, but Hall, let me say it again, Hall 1, fairly sure it's Hall 1. You always forget something when you're organising the podcast. Um, there's always something that you forget to put down in the detail. But that's 22nd and 23rd of April. I will be there. I've got a few really nice new bits and pieces that I'm hoping to have there vending. Um, so yeah, watch this, watch this space. I've got one more podcast to go out before I get there. But I can feel it ramping up. The sleepless nights have started as I start to think about how I want the stand to look and exactly which goods it is that I'm going to take there. It's inevitable. Um, and then the final bit on kind of festivals, and this is a slightly different festival, but the reason I couldn't go to Unravel or didn't go to Unravel was because instead I went to the Stitches show at Birmingham. Now this is a show that isn't open to the public, it's a trade show and it's where you get most of your large yarn brands um, showing and anything else that's new and coming through the system. So I went because there were a few of my suppliers that I wanted to go and talk to and see what they had coming through that was new. And also I just, I wanted to do it from the point of the podcast because what you see at the yarn events isn't necessarily what's going to be coming through in the yarn trends um, straight away. So um, I put a series of five different photos out on Instagram last week. I'm going to add them to the show notes as well. But if I had to summarise what I saw at the show, then I was really pleased to see so many British brands that are championing British wool. I also think that um, the palette of colours being used is has been toned down a little that there are really lovely bright colours being used but they're not bright bright in your face which I feel like there's been a bit of a trend for in the last year to 18 months and it feels like a bit of subtlety is coming back into the colour palettes. That said, a lot of the trends that I saw were about really bold prints, bold use of colours and those bold colours coming through but like I say they're quite tame bold colours, it's not like in your face luminous colours that I was seeing at the at the event and there's within those use of bold prints and bold fabrics and bold designs coming through 
there is a very clear, I think, move of um, bohemian and bohemian styling coming through. Now, I am by no means somebody who is fashionable or on trend, but I like to see what's going on. Um, um, so yesterday, Matty and I went to Liverpool and I had a couple of hours where I was just looking around the shops and it was interesting to me, having been at the, um, at the trade show, to then see that that was what was coming through in the shops, that it's bold prints, bohemian, use of beads, use of embroidery, some really beautiful work in all of the shops I went into and something that made me particularly happy and Emma um, from Potter and Bloom, if you're watching as well, you will be in love with this. I saw so much stuff in mustard. Every single shop that I went to, mustard, 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 mustard. So this season, if you like mustard, finally it is your season. If you don't like mustard, I'm really sorry, you're just doomed. <laughs> it's all about mustard and navy. Yes, two of my favourite colours are completely what's on trend at the moment. Happy, happy, joy, joy. I'm not pink and girly. I am mustard, navy, white, cream girl, 100%. Um, so that pretty much rounds up the festivals and what's been happening there and that trade event. And so I wanted to move on to Big Up, <laughs> which is... A really quick segment but I just want to point you towards some of the other podcasts that I've been watching, blogs that I've been reading or um, kind of YouTube bits that I've been on. So first one that I've got for you is Chrissy Crafts. I'll add all of her details. Um, Chrissy is lovely and I know her from Instagram um, and she took part in the Christmas crochet along. She did a really nice version of um, the spun gold, I think she did it in Life in the Long Grass yarn actually, it was really nice kind of muted um, creamy pinky tones and so I knew Chrissy from that and she started up her own YouTube channel. Chrissy is a crocheter predominantly but she also does embroidery, really beautiful embroidery and she does really quick little videos so if you're if you want something that you can just dip into and dip out of, then I would say go and have a look at Chrissy's channel. I think the two that she's put out so far are only kind of 10, 12, 15 minutes each. So like I say, really nice things to dip in and out of. And she's extremely crafty and uh, yeah, she's a really lovely manner about her as well. So have a look at Chrissy Crafts. The other one I mentioned earlier as well is Crochet Cakes, which is Clarissa Beth from Puerto Rico. Um, she's now got 19 episodes out and a bit like me she does predominantly crochet with a little bit of knitting on the side she's just getting to grips with um, knitting now um, but she's been crocheting for a good number of years and um, yeah she's full of life full of energy and sometimes her mum pops up as a co-host as well so again I'll leave the details give, give her a look as well and the other one that I've also mentioned earlier is the lovely Helen, who is a listener and watcher of this podcast. Um, Helen's really interactive with the group, as, as, as are many of you. And do you know what? I freaking love you all for it because it really gives me the boost and the momentum to keep this podcast going. And part of the ethos of this podcast is about a sense of community and sharing back 
so people are gracious enough to share out what it is I'm doing and I want to be able to repay that. So Helen has just started a blog. I think she's slightly nervous about it, but go look at her blog. It's called making at number 14.blogspot.co.uk. I'll add the details into the show notes. And she's also added her Unravel Fibre Festival rundown into her blog spot. She does a lot of crocheting. She's a knitter as well. She does a lot of crocheting and she makes some really beautiful things. So I would encourage you to go and have a look at her blog too. That's it for Big Up. It's always just going to be really quick fire. This is what I'm listening to. This is what I'm watching. And it might not always be craft stuff. So next time I might talk about one of um favourite podcasts that Matthew and I listen to religiously. More on that later. Well, next time. So that's it on Big Up. Which just leaves me with what's good. And this is a bit of a personal one. Do you know what? This, this is going to come out because this wasn't going to be my what's good. I had something else lined up. But now that I think about it, this is my what's good. I have been... So I've worked for, from home now for a year. It means I've employed for a year. And I love it. I really love it. What I haven't loved and hadn't appreciated is what I have suffered from almost is a sense of identity that I don't leave the house half as much as I used to. I don't have to get dressed up for work. I don't have to put makeup on. Not that I ever had to do any of those things anyway, but I did. And that is part of my sense of self and part of my identity. And I've been in a bit of a funk for the last couple of weeks, I would say, and just not really felt like myself. And I couldn't, I couldn't really put a pin on it and it was just in the last couple of days that I thought it's because I don't I don't feel myself I don't feel like the normal fee and to be honest this may also be wrapped up with the fact that I'm 40 this year and that I am on a bit of a mission to lose weight and just be happier with myself and if you're a viewer you'll see I've I'm like my hair is curled today my makeup is on, my lippy is on. And to be honest, this is what I used to go out the door to work looking like. And so basically, <laughs> to cut a long story short, I've given myself a good talking to. And the reason I suspect I was in a bit of a funk is because I just wasn't happy with what I was presenting as me, the way that I look and the way that I get confidence in myself. Now, lots of you might think that because I've got a podcast and because when I walk into a room, I walk into a room with confidence, doesn't actually mean to say that I'm a confident person and certainly does not mean to say that I second guess everything that I do and question everything that I do. And I was finding that working from home and not being myself, I was losing more and more of my confidence and... Now what's good is I feel like I'm getting it back. I've lost almost a stone, something that I want to do personally because I want to be fitter and I want to be healthier and I want to be happier with myself. You know, I'm not saying that that's what other people should do, that's what I felt personally that I wanted to do. And um, just putting my makeup on, curling my hair, feeling good in myself I feel like I'm getting back on track 
and that feels really good. I feel like my confidence is coming back up and that feels really, really good. So that's what's good. I feel like fighting fears back in the room. I, f I feel like I could tackle anything right now. And yeah, I, f I feel good. That's what's good. I feel good in myself. Right. I'll stop the motivational bollocks now <laughs> and I think I will wrap this up. We are done, but my smile is on my face. I am she's back in the room. So thank you very much for listening. Um it's lovely when you get in contact. It's really nice to see comments below on YouTube. If you can hit the subscribe button and hit the like button, do the same on Podbean, do the same on iTunes. I really love hearing from you guys. It might take me a couple of days to get back to you on Ravelry or Instagram, um, but what I try and do is get back to people in bursts because then I can do it in a concentrated way. But I love the interaction. I simply love the people that engage with this podcast. I don't even mean necessarily with me, but engage with the podcast and engage with the community that we've got building here. So thank you to you all. Love to you all and keep it up it really makes this a worthwhile space and a worthwhile thing to do i know lots of people get an awful lot out of it and have a real sense of friendship and community out of it so yeah thank you for that until next time when i have been at edinburgh art festival and many other places and done many other things hope you're all well and keep that way bye bye <laughs>
shut it. idiot T slurp do it you look like such a moly <laughs> come on come on to the sound of everyone's afraid of dropping. Hello and welcome to the Crochet Circle podcast.